You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Dane. Welcome to another episode of Reach Teach Talk. I am really actually of two mindsets on the topic of this conversation that we're about to have today. Um, The theme is loneliness. And I'm of two minds on this theme because (sighs) one is it's loneliness is is a challenging concept to really wrap one's brain around, I think. Um, And I found that myself. I don't, it took me a long time in my growing up to kind of recognize the difference between being lonely and being alone, uh, being an individual and being part of a group. And, but it's, it's a concept that brings about a lot of challenging feelings. I think in all of us, because we have primal needs that are socially um, driven. And as we know in the classroom, learning and science is proving, learning is cognitive and emotional and social. Um, one does not learn just as in a unidirectional way. You know That's why we can't educate ourselves through technology, through open courses. We can educate ourselves to a certain degree but we can't have a K-12 full education that's self-motivated in a box, in a vacuum, where we are just receiving information. There's something actually kind of sad sounding to that, actually, because it is the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm not, I'm growing perhaps in, in factual knowledge, but I'm not broadening the information that I'm learning through discussing it with a teacher, a person, whether online or in real life, or with classmates. And we've had episodes in the past where we've talked about the social contract of the classroom. We talked with um, a professor, Louis Cozzolino, about the tribal classroom and how it's so important in learning to have a sense of community. I'm learning not just for myself. I'm learning to help, I'm learning, you know, as part of this class. Um, I'm growing as part of this community, the spiritual community among others. The being among others is such an important part of the development of one's self, one's spirit, one's self-concept. And I say this, but I also recognize, right? Like Abraham took 40 days in the desert on his own. Jesus walked on his own and, and was, we don't know what Jesus did between the years when he was 13 to 33 we, or 32. We just don't know. But we have this understanding that there was a lot of time alone, M- meditation and, and, and pilgrimages and uh, vipassanas and just all of that is about being alone. I, I walked the Camino de Santiago two years ago, which is uh, 800 kilometers across the north coast of Spain. And I was alone. And there were times that I was desperately alone. And there's this one part in the middle of it, which is 10, 10 days of walking, and it's called the Meseta, which is this pueblo. And it, it's like walking through Iowa or Illinois. Like you're just going through cornfields, and it is boring. And even though it's Spain, it's boring. It's just the same thing. But what was fascinating was even though I was alone walking through this really boring landscape, my inner landscape was developing. My inner sense of like just thoughts and questions that I had and feelings and sensations and was was heightened um, over time of being alone. Same thing with like a 10-day Vipassana. I've never done Vipassana, but that's the whole idea of taking a silent retreat where you take a vow of silence and you don't read books, you don't get any information besides what's around you and you're silent. And apparently like days four and five are just like the crisis times where it's just like, oh my God, I'm, I don't know if I can live with myself anymore. Like I'm just by myself, you know, and I'm in my own head. And 
I'm desperate for some communication, even to read a passage of a magazine, you know, um, just to have something else inform my thoughts. So I'm sharing these kind of anecdotes as ways to describe how this discussion that we're about to have today about loneliness is so complex. And there's so many myriad components to what loneliness is. And I was stimulated to have this episode because of two reasons. One, I live in London. Um, and London, the UK, has taken a massively aggressive approach to what they call the loneliness epidemic. And this is in a country that is all about, I mentioned before in previous episodes, the stiff upper lip, um, you know, just keep calm, carry on, move forward, mustn't grumble, you know, all that stuff. And it's not just stuff. I mean, I, I admire actually those stoic tendencies, but there's been a lot of mental health issues that have come to the surface in the UK through former rugby players, football players, um, you know, people who served in the military and or people up in, you know, farming up in Yorkshire and, and are just feeling like and mostly men and they're feeling disconnected. And also they're in, in they're also focusing on the 25 percent of pensioners, folks who are retired, folks who are living in the, the latter third of their lives, who 25 percent of them don't have anybody to be with at Christmas anybody to be with during the holidays. They are alone. I volunteered for a couple of years at this church in Soho in the middle of the theater district in the West End. Super diverse, amazing. Oh my God, the most vibrant neighborhood, I think I would say in London. Every Thursday, it was not feeding the homeless. These folks had homes, but they were pensioners. And for many of them, it was the one time of the week that they could interact, that they would count on to interact with others. And some of them would bring in their flasks of, you know, scotch whiskey or their you know, mini bottles of wine, and, and they would treat it like a real event. And it was a real event. And actually, the more I familiarized myself with, with these 60 or 70 folks who would come every Thursday, the more I began to fall part of that fabric. And I began to realize parts of myself that were actually quite lonely. Um, as an expat in the U.S. and parts of myself that were actually, I began to start craving the community with them. So I am thrilled because speaking of the fact that it's, uh, this, is, this was a, a church um, Thursday lunch, church-oriented Thursday lunch, the second reason why I'm really excited about today's episode is because of the guests that I have. Janet Broderick, Reverend Janet Broderick, has come to Los Angeles very recently in the past six months from New Jersey, from Mont Montclair, New Jersey. She grew up in New York, and I highly recommend listening to her sermons, whether you are of the Episcopal faith, Christian faith, whether you're not. Her sermons have a way of communicating to everybody. And yes, we're quoting from Scripture, and yes, we talk about Jesus, but it is and, it is human. And the reason that I, I thought that the, the spark that hit me when I thought, oh my God, I should really invite Janet to this show, came about when I listened to a series. I, I got the flu over New Year's, and I listened to a series of her sermons, just one after the other. I, I binge listened to Janet Broderick's sermons. <laughs> Truly, I told you this. And, um, and I realized there was a certain pattern to her sermons, not to make it formulaic, but the inclusion of story, the inclusion of her own stories, growing up in New York, growing up, you know, growing up Jewish and finding her, uh, really her spiritual identity later uh, in, in, in her early adulthood years to, toward Christianity, toward Episcopalianism. The, the, but, but, but her very, very true stories, and some of them actually had a lot to do with connection and a lot to do with relationships and a lot to do with loneliness. And the, the theme of this podcast being about the importance of relationships, just I 
leaned in and I invited her and graciously Janet accepted the invitation to be on here today. And I feel safe talking with you, Janet, about this laden topic of loneliness. Um, and in fact, last thing I'll say, and I know I'm talking a lot in the intro no, here, but I just want the last thing I'll say is um, the last thing you and I talked about before the theme music played um, was uh, about my sister. And I, I would say this, I, I said to you, having a sister who's autistic uh, and now 50, but growing up with a sister who's autistic, and you asked me, or, or I, I shared with you, I know that having an older sister who's autistic informed the way that I looked at the world growing up and, and continu continues to today. I would also say that it made me highly sensitive toward the concept of loneliness because I grew up with a sister, my brothers and I, who was very vulnerable to me in terms of the possibility of her feeling alone because she can't read, right? She can't follow certain nuances of conversations. She she cannot um, understand like kind of the metacognitive stuff that we as normally functioning adults, you know, think about like, how did I appear at that cocktail conversation? What did I really say? You know, how did it come across? What was the tone? Like Lynn, my sister doesn't think that way. So the can't, can't, can't juxtaposed with the benefits of, of her disability as well, um, and which is not the topic of today. But I, I share that, and I want to share that, you know, with the can'ts come this incredible uh, gift in her life as well of not being um, aware of all that nuance in, that we are and we can beat ourselves up. But this sensitivity toward loneliness, I think, is, is what, what I grew up with. And I share that with you, Janet, as kind of why also this topic is emotional for me and why I feel like I just want to talk about it for a few minutes with you and, um, and, and hear your thoughts about what loneliness is and how loneliness affects the spirit and what do you think is behind this, this um, focus on loneliness today, whether in the UK or the US or you know, hopefully we're all addressing it around the world and what is the best antidote toward loneliness? Um, how can you know a 90-year-old pensioner find connection with somebody in this world today? So as we think on this, I just want to say welcome Janet Broderick, the Reverend Janet Broderick, oh, to you. Reach Teach Talk. I'm just thrilled to have you here, and I'm excited about where this conversation is going to go. I'm just, I'm feeling, I mean, I'll, I'll go into the loneliness thing, but I'm feeling that it must have been lonely for you also to have to be the person making up for what you felt your sister wasn't able to take in, yeah. you know, because how could you explain that to other people? Yeah, yeah. You know, what it was like to be you. Yeah, and not knowing what it's like to be me. Because, you know, when you grow up, like, in your kid, you don't know any different. No. Right? And you certainly can't reflect on how no. I'm, one is different from your friends. But I had a lot of friends growing up, and I think that that was par possibly related to this. Like, I was looking for right. uh, a bunch of people to kind of be my sounding boards. Yeah. You know, I couldn't articulate it. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking uh, myself, I think I've always been lonely. Um, I, the times in my life when I am not haven't been lonely are amazing to me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not lonely. Um, How does that feel? I just remember uh, falling in love for the first time, and uh, I think uh, my boyfriend left the room and it was the middle of the night, and I like followed him into the living room, 
and I just wanted to stand there because I didn't want to be in the other room by myself and um, then I followed him back in again <laughs> and I said I just don't want to be I mean this is so good I don't want to let it go you know I want to just be with you yeah when you you know what that's like to fall in love like that where you don't you don't you you're like this is so good I don't want it to stop and you don't even realize that you've been in pain until you have somebody you love you and then you go Oh my God, it was awful before, you know, yeah. right? What's that wonderful song? There were bells, something in the sky, but I never Till heard Till it was you, the Beatles. It's so, it's so, yeah, well, that's the music man. Yes, the music man, that's right. But, you yeah. know, it's so true, Till There Was You, you know, so, uh, you know, you don't even, you don't even, I'm not even sure you're aware of the pain until it stops. And then you're like, oh my God, it just stopped. There was love all around, but I never heard it ringing or something. No, I never heard it at all. I never heard it at all till there was, was you. you. Yeah. And I love the way <laughs> the song starts out, and there was music. <laughs> There's there wonderful was roses. roses. <laughs> so he starts to say all the things that were around him yeah. that he didn't see. Right. But I could see them because there's you. You know, um, I was talking to a fellow, a man today who um, had some children in the, in the church and uh, we didn't have Sunday school, so he brought them to church, and he was, it was very hard on him that we didn't have Sunday school because he had two boys in the pew, a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I guess they were hating it, <laughs> and the bishop came, so the service lasted forever, and um, by the end of it, he just wanted to quit the whole church, so I had him, I wanted him to come in and talk to him. And by the time he came in, he'd sort of gotten over it. But I've been a parent, and you know, I understood how exact, you know, I am a parent, how exasperated he was. And uh, we're talking about like why, what, it, why is it worth it to stress to go to church with kids? You know how hard it is. But I think you know, um, there's a wonderful story um, about a psychiatrist uh, who's working with a little boy who detested his father. And um, I mean, he was throwing things at his father and trying to hurt his father physically. And Finally, they took him to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist said, is there any time you ever like your father? I mean, can you think of one minute when you like him? And he said, yeah, I can think of one time when I like him. And he said, when? Um, he said, when he's on his knees in church. Wow, that's profound. But, yeah, yeah, and it was profound because he meant I like it when there's somebody bigger than him. Wow. Somebody bigger than he is. And it's not the idea of putting him in his place. No. It's different than that. There's a compassion to what he no, said, actually. No, it's a beautiful opening. You know, this child, yeah. child, and when you're talking about learning, the whole idea is I am not just a repository of you. I am also a contributor. And so the child felt there was space when his father was on his knees that clearly wasn't there when he was standing up. Mm -hmm. So he he was on his knees before something bigger. Mm -hmm. And so that made, you know, the wonderful thing about the whole way in which s the spiritual life can ease this kind of loneliness is the sense that um, we're all under something bigger. There's something bigger than all of us. Mm -hmm. we, there's a kind of equality um, so that it, you can love your brothers and sisters around you 
because it's not like I'm worse than you or I'm less than you or I'm better than you or I have more to contribute than you. I'm just a frog like you are. <laughs> a frog or a you fraud? Know, a frog. <laughs> you know, yeah. like what does he say, Mark Twain? Uh, a frog not like any other. You know, I'm just a frog. I'm Is just it the, the jumping frog of yeah, Calvert? Yeah, Calvert, yeah. Calvert, yeah. This, this frog County. ain't no different than yeah. any other totally, frog. Totally. So I sometimes think about that. I'm like, I'm not. I ain't no different than any other frog. Right, because in that way we are all one. We it, are. It's almost like the oversoul or the, right, like that, yeah. that idea that... We, but don't let me don't let me trivialize or, 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 or misinterpret what you're saying because I'd love to, to go deeper on this like I'm a frog you're a frog and we all are but is right. that is that simply saying because we all crave connection or is this something yeah. else yeah. we all what is the the scripture would be we all fall short of the glory of God you know there's this infinite infinite distance between ourselves and our creator it's just impossible to reach you know so we're all falling, we're all equally uh, in this boat, you know, and it's a beautiful thing to see that. And, and, you know, Jesus makes this profound comment at one point. He says, uh, he talks about his own loneliness, and he says, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Mm. And, you know, there have been times in my life when I think, well, there's no safe place for me. There's no place for me to go. And then I think, well, um, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You know, I, I, my situation may be bad, but it ain't it ain't worse than anybody who ever lived. Right. I'm just another. You know, I I I'm part of the human race. Right. And and so it's okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's interesting about life because. Loneliness is sort of a wonderful thing, you know. It it allows you to um, it allows you to feel and to reach out. You know, why would you reach out if you weren't lonely? You know, if you could just make it all perfect all by yourself, you would never reach out. You'd never give it a try, and then you'd never see so many things that you can see. So much of what I've been able to do in my life has all been because of um, a kind of loneliness. I, I think I'm in Beverly Hills because of loneliness. Mm. Explain, uh, describe that. Well, I think that I was actually not in, in Montclair, it was Morristown, by the way. Oh, no, yeah, St. Peter's, Morris. no. But I think that at some point, uh, be, it, it's like a call, you know? It was like I understood, I loved everyone, I loved that church, but there was some deep part of me that was said, Where's some? Where's something else? Where's something new? Even though you knew that it would remove you from yeah. community, yeah, and I felt very sad about that. Right, I'm very brokenhearted about it. But yet, it was um, the loneliness that got me. That got me going. You know, Dorothy Day, the great leader of the Catholic worker, wrote a book called *The Long Loneliness*. It's really, I think loneliness is a. I can't really think of a more wonderful spiritual place to be. Loneliness, but not alone. Right. Um, loneliness is an existential question. It's nothing to do with whether you're with a bunch of people or not. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. You can be so lonely and a whole bunch of people, you know. That, but you can be by yourself just remembering how much someone loved you and not be lonely. Oh, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Don't you think it's true? Yeah, oh, and, and I'm certain it's true. Absolutely certain it's true. I'm thinking about there was one time that I was... Um, on a ferry, and I was on this ferry to an island off of 
Greece. So I left Athens, um, off of mainland Greece, and I left Athens and went to this, I think it was Patmos or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was a, it was an overnight ferry, and it was like one in the morning, and I walked up to the upper deck, and there was nobody there at all. And it was, you know, it's not the U.S., so it's not like safety lights everywhere and do not go past this, you know, area or whatever. And I could walk out to the bow of the ferry and just be there, and I knew that all I could, it was black. It wasn't even, I think it might have been overcast. There was no stars, nothing. It was just black and it was totally loneliness. And I just lost my grandfather. And um, I was, I walked up there and there was a calling. I was like, I, I'm not going to go to bed. I'm not going to drink a beer. I'm going to go up and I'm just going to stand outside. And I was alone, but I was consumed with thoughts about my grandfather. And I was consumed with this feeling of love. My heart swelled and this this feeling of yeah. connection with him that I would not have had if I was alone or if I stayed no. at the bar down the other, you know, and, and, and talked to somebody or even just been around community. I would not even, I don't think I would have, I might have sensed my grandfather's presence, but not really to the degree that I did when I was alone in the darkness and the blackness. Exactly. Um, and it was worth it to go up there. But, you know, it's fabulous. You went. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when my father was dying, um, you know, they finally, in hospitals, they put you uh, on cancer wards where everybody's dying. And um, it felt like it anyway. It didn't look like anybody was getting out of there, you right. know. Right. And um, right. I, I remember at one point um, going down to the chapel and uh, just expressing my fury at God and just saying, you know, why don't you... Why don't you just like pull a joke every now and then and actually heal somebody? I mean, why don't you just like come through like once? I mean, then, hey, you know, then you probably have about like 10,000 idiots who will follow after that. So you might as well give it a try every once in a while. Right. I was furiously angry. Yes. And after the sort of rage was there in, in the chapel, I just remember this sort of sense of uh, Jesus standing with me. And thinking um, and realizing, um, okay, I, I I can't explain it. It was like, yeah, I got, I got, I, I know. I, it was, I, I felt heard, understood. Nothing changed, but I'll tell you what did change. I knew in a little time that I needed to say to my father, I love you. Now, in my family, we don't talk, we don't say stuff like that. Like, you know, I love you. You know, it's like sort of (laughs) hallmarky, you know what I mean? I thought it was so stupid. Also, by the way, I love you would read, um, I know you're dying. Right, Right. totally, totally. You go to somebody's deathbed and say, I love you. You're sort of saying, bye-bye, you know, leaving now. (laughs) So I couldn't, I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this. But there was something inside me that was like, you never said it. He's going to die, and you never said it. So I'm walking up and down this, you know, dreadful hallway. I walk in, you know, the television set is on for the fellow in the bed next to my father who's also dying. Um, He's lying in the bed, and I look over, you know, and I just finally, I forced myself, and I just said, I love you. And my father looked at me, I'll never forget it, and smiled and said, and I love you too. Full, full speech, full I was like, words. Oh, 
shit. And now I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, but it was so, I just, I'll never forget it because it was like, and I remember thinking to myself, it's okay. It, it's not okay that you're dying, but here's the deal really. I wouldn't take anybody else. Like just the amount of time I had you, I got to have you be my father. And that's cool. You know, I'm so glad of that. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. I think real loneliness does turn to gratitude. When you take, you went up to the, you went upstairs, you felt the darkness, you know, you remembered your grandfather, and then you were grateful for him, for what you had had. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, I know, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, we think, I look at, I look at social media, you know, your questions that you were thinking about for this. I look at social media, and what worries me the most about it and worries me uh, personally is that people only show Instagrams of, I mean, we know this, but of when everything's going well. You know, this is me at the party looking thin. You know, um, this is me at the, whatever it is, the sunset and the, the not when I'm distressed. And uh, we think, you know, I think, well, I know that. But I still always feel it's true. I'm not there. I didn't get to that party. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The fear of missing out. Yeah. Which is such real. a cliched kind of term. I don't love that FOMO thing. I, I don't but, either. But it doesn't but... reflect the depth. Right? It, it trivializes to me that right. the, the profundity of that, right. that feeling of like, right. you know, because that can be a knife. I know. I think, um, I I don't know what the effect of all of this sort of fake kind of... Um, relationship with media you know i don't know people are listening to this podcast right now and i'm connecting right mm-hmm. we are connecting we're connecting and i and but i'm also thinking of other folks yeah. and thinking um and caring yeah. i mean um god bless the fact that they can hear it you know they right yes absolutely on the other hand so it's real yeah right yes and what we're doing here today is real right and their connection with what we're saying. So in that way, it's kind of wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're yeah. So, so in a sense, you're articulating two things, right? The, 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 the fear of missing out part of what, what technology has, has, has perhaps, you know, exponentially, um, you know, um, drawn out and also spotlighted. And also, though, the incredible ability now through the same technology to touch others to I mean again when I was sick with the flu and listening to your sermons like that touched me that was connective and I was very grateful for being able to go to the website for all Saints Beverly Hills um, and queue up these sermons no I mean it's it's you know sometimes late at night I'll listening I, I listen to um, you know Satchmo sing Wonderful World or Mahalia Jackson you know how I got over and I listen to her and um you know, she's my friend. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and she is, I hear her. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I love it, you know, in that way. It's beautiful. But, you know, I think, um, I don't know this, I'm 64 years old now. So um, when people talk about the last third of their life and all this, I think, you know, uh, and loneliness and, and that, um, I wonder, for this whole generation of folks who are older, 
and um, w- how are we connecting? Do you know what um, that we're referred to in all sorts of ways? You know, boomers, mm-hmm. um, and what we're supposedly like. And I don't know. I wonder. I question all of these values. Whether it's true, we continue to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we continue to change. Mm-hmm. We continue to grow. I mean, it's, you're not the same person you were when you were 54. No. Right. I can no. say that. Right. No. And I take um, what's really fun about this time is, in terms of loneliness, is I take much bigger risks. How does that factor into loneliness? Well, I take risks to be intimate in my sermons in ways I never did before. Before I was thinking about what people thought of me. Now I think about, well, what do I think? Excellent. It's a very different way to come out. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm not so concerned. I'm much more concerned with the idea and the love. How can this be love? How can this make sense? Watching people to see mm-hmm. how it's happening. Mm-hmm. But I'm not worried about um, uh, how I'm coming off. Mm-hmm. You're not attached to the outcome so much. No. It sounds like you're saying that. It sounds like you're, you're, you're actually more fascinated now by the process. Because when you say you're, you're actually paying more attention to um, the, the, the parishioners listening to you. And you're sensing now. It sounds like you're saying you're finding more joy being able to kind of it's almost like an interplay now where before it was more, I want to make sure I, I did this, I, I executed this sermon correctly. Does that make sense? Is Absolutely. That, is that what you're you yeah. know, um, I love this thing that happened uh, with Louis Armstrong. You know, he said um, it was be years before. R- remember, he learned all his music just by ear. And right. Um, right? And, he did, and he played a coronet. You know, he didn't even have a horn. Yeah. So finally he gets a horn. He marries a woman who has a Ph.D. in music so he can uh, learn to read music. Um, He gets divorced. He's playing in these big bands and trying to sort of keep up. And uh, he's noticed. And he talks about this night in which he went out and he said, all of a sudden I realized I wasn't going to play for my teachers anymore. I was going to play for the audience. I.e., I'm not going to play for a affirmation um, to to get the A to get the commendation. I'm going to play something for in my head that tells me this is good and this is bad. And he just erased that. Yeah. And he just went, "How's it for you?" <laughs> Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. How's yes. it for you? But but Janet, I, I'm driving in L.A. and I'm going by tents and I'm seeing. The homeless people who are there and how is it for you like I don't know because I'm not homeless I'm not have you never been homeless I've never been so I don't know because I've never been homeless right I've have always you ever had a family been, like, kicked out of your house never been kicked out of my really? house I've had challenges sure but I've never been you didn't have like roommates ever like say we hate you get out mm. Well, I was a horrible roommate my first year out of college. Yeah. Oh my God, if I can just, oh, if I can apologize yeah, to my you're roommate. Like, who is ever going to put uh, up p- with me? Please let me apologize to Jonah. Jonah and Todd, I, I'm so sorry for the horrible roommate I was when I was 23 because I was a guy who never took the food out in the refrigerator. It was literally until it was moldy. Like, it was disgusting. Yeah. I was horrible with the dishes. And I think I was also extremely self absorbed for whatever reason at that period in my life. And I, I will own that now. Um, 
half a life, a full life later. Um, but, but yes, you're right. I have pissed people off in the past. Right. And haven't they said, get out of here? There, or just not complain when I've left for a period of time. It's always the omission of, hey, you know, come join, right? It's the omission. Actually, actually, that's interesting. And I don't want to derail where you're going to go with this. So just for as an aside, there's also that loneliness, the weaponization, I, I would say, of loneliness in the sense of in the workplace or in, in social cliques where it's not the get out of here because saying to somebody get out of here means I see you and I hear you and I'm, and I'm annoyed by you enough that I'm going to tell you get out versus the, um, the icing out, the silent exclusion. Right. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. and, and there are studies that show like that kind of, um, what's the word for it? But I, I would just say exclusion is it kills people. It, it literally like hurts the heart because they know that they're being disconnected, that they are being totally. iced out, and they are being forcibly detached from a community. That that's killer. So much of homelessness, you know, working working with homelessness for years in Jersey City, um, and New York City, but in Jersey City specifically for about ten years, being aware of the fact that folks could come off the streets if they lived together in community um, financially. Uh, if it two is better than one, four is fantastic. Six, suddenly dinner is really cheap. Um, eight right. dinner is like a dollar. Right. Um, uh, if eight people can share a car, lots of uh, immigrants understand this, of course, and people. Of course. But uh, the idea is that everybody needs their own SRO with their own car and their own thing and their own. Si- yeah, but when you're in community, y- you can you can really make it work. So, so it's it's actually life saving. It is life saving. It is life. It's life savings, and life saving. Yeah. To be part of community mm-hmm. as opposed to, and I would really again living in, in the UK, which has a much more um, a sub- substantive social contract, I would say, than honestly in the US. And I'm I, I love the US and I'm America first and all that. Great. <laughs> I have to. Say that. Nice of you to say that. <laughs> right, 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 right. We're going through turbulent times, but but this idea of. Um, yeah. America first. Well, okay, I didn't mean that. Okay, that's a little extreme. Okay, but but, but just pride in America for what we. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, the ideal, yeah. the ideal. Yeah. Um, we can get we can get there again. Um, we can, but but what part of how we can get there? I think is by broadening our sense of what it is to be part of the social fabric in the U.S. And it's very easy to be in our car and to be driving down Wilshire Boulevard and to be honking at the people who are blocking our way or to get mad at the bus you're stuck behind or, and. You're on your own, and that actually can be very distressing because you're alone. And you know that, that movie Crash. You know, it's you lived in New York, like the, being able to bump. You grew up in New York, being able to to you know. I love it in London, being able to bump into somebody, like especially because it rains so much in London. Like we're all with our brolies, our umbrellas, and we're always poking each other with umbrellas by accident, you know, or try to subtly like, okay, my umbrella is going to go higher than that person's umbrella as I'm crossing them, or lower, so it doesn't hit, you know, collide. But there is at least an understanding that there are other people around besides just yourself. Yeah, but I agree with that. But don't you absolutely love? Well, I grew up in the city in Washington, you know, Washington Square, right? But I love the fact that you can go like one block away from your house and nobody knows you. That's, you, that's I love cool. that. You right. can become somebody entirely different. 
You can do whatever you want to do. You can look in a, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's very, very I love that. You can completely reinvent yourself. Yeah, and learn about yourself in the process. Totally. The different dimensions of yourself. Exactly. I love that. I love wandering, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, we're going to have to wrap this up because we're on a time time schedule, and obviously uh, this is about a 30-minute, 40-minute podcast. But, Janet, mm-hmm. if there's one final kind of takeaway that you'd like to share about about loneliness that either we've shared or that we've discussed but you want to kind of hit back on, reinforce, or um, an element or an angle that we haven't talked about, here's your time. Um, I guess I just want to say to anybody if, if they're feeling this sort of pain of loneliness – that um, it's not your fault. Um, you know, I was uh, I was really overweight, and I lost um, almost 100 pounds many years ago. And I remember going to this doctor who worked with me, and he said to me, it's not your fault, you know. And I kept saying, yeah, it is. I'm terrible. I eat too much. And he was like, no, actually, actually, you, have, you know, it, we know more than that. It's not your fault. And uh, and that's how and it, and I and I and my life changed from that that kind of blessing. So I guess want to say to somebody who's um, who's lonely, it's not your fault. You didn't create this. Um, it's a hunger that you have, and it's God given. And um, God bless you. And I hope you um, I hope you uh, follow it wherever it takes you. Beautifully said. Follow it, trust it, dig into your faith. Yeah. Right. And um, and this knowledge of connection and just, I've this is a lived example of connection because um, before we started recording, it was a question of how is this conversation going to go? Um, if it doesn't go well, can we just delete it? Yes, of course. If we want to edit it, of course. Um, that that fear of and also i don't know you that well so it's it's there was a bit of that too like the unspoken hesitation about is this going to work are we going to connect and i feel very safe saying yes we connected and yes this feels connective to me and i'm just grateful for that example as well the lived example well thank you for inviting me thank you so much for being here um, on Reach, Teach, Talk, and I'm just really, really grateful, Janet, for your time. Thank you. (laughs) You've been listening to Reach, Teach, Talk with Nat Damon. If you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com.